It uh, seems like a house full of, uh, I think it's the first time in quite a few years that we've had all five of the kids together. Um, Ron and Tammy, pardon? Okay, you've been, well, it seems like forever. When you get old like us, everything seems like it's forever. Anyway, we're going to go to Psalm 58 while I'm chit-chatting up here. And uh, so it was good to have uh, family pictures taken of all the, of our five anyway. And then whatever grandchildren were able to be there. And uh, just remembering all the old times and all the laughter and wondering how we ever really survived to this particular point. But we made it. We managed to get through and our kids are all alive, they're all married, have their own families. So you got to get together when you can because it doesn't take very long before, you know, everyone kind of goes their own way and uh, moves around a little bit. So, but we did, we had a, a busy time, but Peg and I began to realize just how really old we're getting. <laughs> so uh, usually when 9 o'clock rolls around, you had that much activity, you're ready to go to bed uh, for the most part. But anyway, as we look on into uh, Psalm 58... And if it's taken us five years to get Psalm 58, another five years to get Psalms, we'll probably be up somewhere around 106, 108. But I, I, I probably won't be around in the next five years for sure. Who knows now? Yeah. Well, only God knows. So I'm not making any promises whether I'm going to be here until we finish Psalm. Now, I mean, God hasn't told me I can't leave until I finish Psalm 150. Once, yeah, somewhere up around that number. And anyway, so I mean, that's. I said, 5, 10, 15. <laughs> I don't have that many years left. <laughs> so anyway, maybe that's why I chose that book. I'm just kind of winding everything down. But uh, Psalm 58 is a unique psalm in and of itself. It's not one of those um, um, hmm, dynamic psalms. But there is a warning in this. And uh, basically... Uh, we titled the message back there, Alan. It's life is not always fair. Life is not always fair. <clears throat> and David is the second king of Israel, establishing uh, his monarchy and surrounding himself with men that he trusts, even as did King Saul. Uh, king Saul spiritually was a failure, and uh, he wasn't really a good monarch to begin with because he allowed a lot of corruption to develop underneath him. And I'm sure that he was privy to it. But it wasn't until David took over that he began to realize how corrupt the leadership under Saul had become. And it wasn't just a matter of, a, of, of uh, the ruling class as much as it was also the spiritual leadership as well that had become corrupt under his, under his administration. And so as we look at life not always fair, this will be an interesting psalm in that it is basically a message with two major warnings. A warning to be wary in that not everything is as good as it is made out to be. Now we're coming into, well, we have been, <laughs> an election year running for quite a while now and it's going to get a lot more intense and a lot of people are going to be biting their nails because of even on the Republican side they're going to do what they can to destroy their opponent and while the Democrats is not much to destroy they're pretty much already destroyed over there anyway uh, but you do have a few that are 
What, I guess you'd have to say with a John F. Kennedy, not to make any uh, any associations with the uh, Robert F. Kennedy, who is actually running now, uh, who seems to be a very con compared to the other the other Democrats, he's a very conservative Democrat in comparison to them along the way. But anyway, uh, and of course now the liberals are trying to tear him apart because he doesn't dot the, dot the I's across the T's the same way that the uh, Democrat leadership would like for him to do. And so there's, we, we have to be weary about everything that goes on around us. And get before the Lord and pray, pray, pray. Pray for insight, pray for understanding, and I believe also to pray for disclosures along the way that God would reveal things that are oftentimes hitting, hidden in the rhetoric of the politicians. Because half-truths are still a lie. Uh, to present some facts that might be factual in the overall conversation where much is not, then it's guile. And many of the politicians are not above exaggerating uh, the record. So the first thing is we have to do is we have to be wary. Uh, secondly, for the wise, uh, it is, is to pray for wisdom uh, that... Uh, we would be wary and not just consume it all as this is it. This is the guy we got to pin our pin the tail on, if you will. So in this psalm, David writes of the men in King Saul's cabinet, so to speak, men who were evil in their own practices and positioned themselves to enhance their own powers in service to the to to the king and under the king King Saul. We touched on one of those individuals who was by the name of Doeg. Uh, Doag was uh, the one who reported to King Saul and said, hey, listen, David is down here in the city of Nob. And uh, so, of course, down went Saul and his men down there to seek David, but David had escaped because David sought to the Lord, is Doag going to go? And God said, yes, he is definitely going to do it. And so David knew that he had to protect himself and protect his men. And so he got out of Nob in the, in the city of Kiath. Uh, also, they were going to turn him in, even though he had just delivered him from the Philistines, turn him into Saul. So David, he had to be worried about a lot of things, didn't he? And the only way for us to have a settled heart in the midst of this weariness that we are, and that is to make sure that we are in a right place, in a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we're going to get our strength from day to day. And so, following the death of King Saul and his son Jonathan, we can read of the, uh, the uh, wickedness of these men who had been appointed by King Saul or, or who had uh, kind of worked their way into uh, to, uh, King Saul. And it's always easy to do is to kind of uh, to engrandize yourself to someone who has power with the idea that, that you'll find a way to get power or to find, draw power from that particular individual, and some of them did. And uh, certainly we're looking at some of them as we, if you were to go through Second Samuel chapter 2, 3, four, 3 and 4, you'd have a little bit of the histrionics of the changing over from King Saul, who had been killed in battle, and now David was going to ascend to the throne because he had been anointed to that. God had anointed King David to take over the throne after Saul. Saul knew that. Saul knew that David had been anointed, and that's why he did his best to try to get rid of David one way or another. And of course he did not succeed because he was God's anointed. And so when you know that you've been anointed by the Lord, you don't want to have to worry about a lot of other things. Amen? God's going to take care of you as long as we stay where we're supposed to be in our relationship with the Lord, close and faithful with every step of the way. And so as David is 
reorganizing the government. He's moving from Hebron, where he was anointed king by uh, by Judah and set up his capital in Hebron. And uh, of course, uh, we know that Abner and those who were on uh, who were on uh, King Saul's side, they were doing everything they could to make sure that David did not get the throne of Israel. And they were vile and they were wicked. They were wicked under King Saul. And they were certainly not going to give uh, David any, any latitude toward uh, the, the overall throne of the nation of Israel. But you know, you can't fight against God. It may seem like we're losing some of these little battles along the way there. But overall, uh, God's going to bring the victory when the timing is right. Amen? And so uh, David could have created a tremendous stir by just simply saying this, we're going to take it all over. But David, he started out in Hebron, and little by little by little, he was able to bring all of Israel under his leadership. And so once David got to the throne overall of Israel, David saw how deeply the corruption had embedded itself, and the people brought, uh, uh, and the people uh, uh, brought forth the uh, complaints uh, the, of the administration under Saul were Again, you know, we're seeing a lot of that stuff played out today. You're looking at the wickedness and the evil that exists in Washington, D.C. And the lying that goes on down there, the backbiting that goes on down there, the uh, double standards that go on down there, uh, double justice that goes on down there and comes out of that place down there. I mean, it is, it's a cesspool of corruption. Now, it's not to say there aren't some good people down there. But why they're there, I have no idea. If it was that bad, I'd want to get myself out of there and figure I'd, I'd, I'd try some other different avenue uh, to bring those things about. And so David's beginning to realize just how deep the corruption had gone, not just only in, in, the, uh, in the leadership of the everyday life of the Jews, but also in the spiritual end because many, many of the priests, many of the Sadducees were, were also spiritually corrupt. And so David in this psalm is, is instructing us that life in a fallen world simply is not fair. Now, God's always fair, and God's always just, so we will always find fairness between our, ourselves and God. We don't always find it with others around us. Uh, we look at some of the men uh, who have been brought in uh, uh, to courts and, and sued and have lost uh, lost all their life savings, have lost their their livelihoods for the most part, and yet you have people on the other side who have done things every every bit supposedly every bit as bad, if not worse, who escape along the way. So someone would turn around and say, you know what, just life isn't fair. And so let's get used to the fact that we live in a fallen world and life is not going to be fair from the world's perspective and certainly how it treats us. Now the uh, the powerful thrive on power. And for them, there is never enough power. And that's some of the problems we're facing in Washington, D.C. It's all about power. And it's not just power in Washington. It's about power on the global scene, the global network. I mean, if you know anything about the book of Revelation and what's going to be going on over there in the Middle East and the Mediterranean area there, it is all about the world's power brokers vying for a place and a position so that when the uh, ultimately they're going to be the ones who have all the power in all the world concentrated in that area and to be exercised throughout the world. And so the greedy get more greedy and they do not care who they walk over or destroy as long as they get what they want. And the same thing is for power as the powerful continue to seek even more power. So 
we as individuals, we know that we have to be careful when we answer our phone and we talk to people on the phone that we don't know. And uh, because there are scammers on the internet, there are scammers. And uh, there's a lot of young people who may be naive, but there's a lot of seniors who are even more naive and more ignorant. And we say that we live in an unfair world. Listen, uh, you are going to have to walk with God to keep what God has blessed you with, or otherwise, if you don't, the devil's going to find a way to take it from you. So we've got scammers on the internet. We've got scammers on the phone lines. And they come on the phone line here. I like to play games with them. I, I like to play head games. It's just a lot of fun to do that. But on the internet, you can't do that quite as much. But nonetheless, um, you have to be weary, don't you? You just can't look at an email that you don't really know what it's from. Uh, I, I get these all the time. They said, your bill is waiting. And uh, you, you kind of click on that. And it, it's, it's an advertisement. But the way it's, it's very deceptive how they word those things here because they want you to at least look at the email. Otherwise, if they just put it out there, you just dismiss it altogether. But there are genuine scammers out there who want your name, want your number, not your address. So I'm going to tell you right now, the less information you put out there on the Internet, the better you're going to be. Now, I don't say you have to completely do away with it, but just don't, just don't volunteer unnecessary information that's out there and don't give them anything that you know that they could get a hold of and use it and rip you off. Because this world is an unfair world and they don't care how little you've got or how much you've got. They're going to take you for everything you've got one way or the other. And you know what? They won't shed a tear. There are absolute industries out there who hire people for one thing and one thing only, and that is to develop scams to scam people. As, as my son Rick would say, it's a multi-billion dollar business. Just scamming people. They're being warned constantly about people stealing your mortgages. Now, they can't steal ours. We don't really have a mortgage, so it's going to be hard for them to get it. But uh, they can actually steal the title to your house and actually take loans out against your house so that you end up going into foreclosure because basically you're the ones who are responsible for it and you didn't protect it one thing or another. But it, it, it's hard to imagine that there are such low lives out there. But these people are vile individuals and they are certainly low life individuals who have no conscience whatsoever. And if they don't get saved before they die, they're going to rot in hell like someone has never rotted there before. And so anyway, we're going to look at several things here that, that's important for us to understand about the wicked people, what we need to do concerning them. And so number one tonight is know that wicked people are very good at deception. They have Satan at their back. But you and I have God in our heart. And so if we are walking with God, close to God, being in the word of God, and in close fellowship with God, God's going to protect us against this nonsense and this foolishness when it comes down the pipe. And so Psalm 58 and verse 1 says, and, and the, the, the question is, I don't want to say it's tongue-in-cheek, but it's basically it's rhetorical. And David says, do ye indeed speak righteousness? And he's talking about the religious leaders there. You, yeah, you had this front. But behind that front is this wickedness. And it's, it's, if you were to read Psalm, uh, Matthew chapter 23, Jesus takes the spiritual leaders to, to task there in that they have stolen from the widows. They have stolen from the orphans. Uh, they have used them, stolen from them, and abused them in many, many ways, as, as did the lawyers and the, uh, the spiritual leaders as well as the... Uh, well, let's face it, Matthew was one of them. 
Uh, he was the one who uh, he could uh, collect tax. He would collect taxes for the Romans, and he would take uh, what was what was rightfully to be given, and then he would add to that. If he knew that you had money, he would add to that because he wanted to pocket the difference, and that's what they could do. Rome didn't care as long as Rome got what they they felt the assessment was, and you could get something else out of them, then you go for it. You get whatever you could. And uh, we can see the difference that, that it makes when an individual comes to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, as, as, as not only Peter, but uh, little Zacchaeus, where when Jesus came to his house, and he met with Christ, and Christ met with him, and he said that, uh, and Jesus had said salvation had come to his house, and he was willing to give back four times what he had taken from the people. That's what Jesus can do in the heart of an individual. But scammers are as heartless, vile, and loathsome. And for them stealing from anyone and everyone, regardless of whether it leaves someone financially ruined, doesn't matter at all, as long as they get the money that they want. Knowing that we live in a very, very dark, sin-laden world, for which there is no lack of low lice, people especially, uh, God's people, have to be wise. We have to be forewarned. We have to be weary who, when dealing with many things in this life. Um, I kids joke about listening to, to Laura, not Laura, but um, Judy, Judge Judy, Judge Judy, go and get that there. And it's amazing how many people just take people's word, but they don't have any evidence that they said what they said they said. And she said, you get it in writing and you get a signature on it. But you know, we feel like, well, I can trust this person. And maybe you can and maybe you can't. You, if you don't know that person, and even then you got to be careful. Uh, even if you have, you know, well, I won't go that, that far into that thing, but the idea is simply that you've got to be careful when you're dealing with people, even if they are quote-unquote uh, friends or so-called friends along the way because um, they may have meant well in the beginning, but things make a turn for the worse and things don't get better. And so you're left holding the bag. What are you going to do? So... Uh, we have been, <clears throat> we have been warned in scriptures that life as 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 uh, uh, as we uh, close in on the final days, and we are closing in on the final days, folks. When you look up the, at the spiritual bankruptcy that exists in Washington D.C. and really, for that matter, in, in, in many states all across the United States of America, there is a spiritual bankruptness that exists in these states. Now, that's not to say there aren't good people, and not to say there aren't. Good. I mean, I would I would consider that uh, California is one of those spiritually bankrupt states. But there are some good preachers out there. You got uh, uh, Jack Treber out there at uh, North Valley Baptist Church. You've got uh, Brother Ball uh, Chapel up in Lancaster, and there's, there's others around there as well uh, that are doing what they can uh, to reach that state. But uh, the political corrupt machine is so embedded in the state that all you can do is win them one by one win by one, one by one but the idea simply is this is that that uh, when it comes to uh, closing on the final days such things as fairness and justice and equity uh, are going to give way to uh, to unbelievable uh, corruption and listen, there is corruption in Washington like you would not believe and there's even corruption here in the state of Vermont there's corruptions in the pulpits in America, all across America. Uh, listen, I, you know, I, I'm not going to begrudge preachers for having big churches, but when you've got a preacher living in a mansion and there's only two of them and they've got a, they have a 15, 16-bedroom home with umpteen bathrooms and air-conditioned dog houses and they're driving around in Rolls Royce, I'm thinking to myself, really, did God save us and get, call us to the ministry so that we could live way up here while the rest of our people live way, way down here? 
Well, Dr. Wallace always said that the preacher ought to be somewhere in the medium. Never above, never below, but somewhere in the middle. But yet we have preachers today that money is more than anything else. And there are those who uh, teach false doctrines, preach false doctrines, practice false doctrines, and they air it right out in the public as well. So we've got to be weary and we've got to be discerning. And that's why we bring our Bibles to church. Amen? Because you've got to be weary about what the preacher said. Maybe the preacher meant one thing, but he said something else. Because I have that tendency to engage my mouth before my mind's in gear. And I might say something, someone will come after me and say, did you really mean that? Or did you say it that way? I said, what did I say? Because uh, that happens from time to time. So uh, we have to be weary and check the word, uh, check the, any preaching, whether it's an evangelist or a missionary or whatever it is, check it out with the word of God. And if you don't, uh, you don't agree with it, then it would be good to sit down and say, eh, I'm not sure about that. This is, you know, until you can hash it out one way or another. So Satan is unfortunately alive and well for the time uh, being, and things are going to get worse for the unwise, the unwary, and the foolish. This is not a day and age where God's people can, can afford to be foolish. We cannot set aside our Bible time. We cannot set aside our prayer time. We cannot set aside our devotional time. We cannot set aside going to church because we need the camaraderie. We need the strength. We need the encouragement because we're going out there into a fallen world. I mean, if we're going to a church that is preaching the word of God and you know that the, the, the vast number of people in the church are living a life that is walking and close to God, that's where you want to be for the encouragement, for the strength when you, before you go out there into the world and realize out there they're going to eat you up and spit you out if they can. And so, as redeemed of the Lord, we can minimize the unfairness, the inequities, and the corruption that exists out there as, as, as how it impacts us as an individual. But we will have to do everything God expects of us to do spiritually. Stand to be, uh, to do spiritually, uh, to stand without falling in, in corruption. Because corruption isn't, it isn't always about seeing something as evil. It, it is presented because the Bible is very clear that Satan masks himself up to be an angel of light. And so do his ministers. And so you've got to look beyond what is being said and check it out with the scriptures and with other doctrine, for sure. And so we've, we've got to do everything that God expects us to do spiritually, to stand, to, to be strong in the Lord. And so as David is reflecting on some of the corruption among those leaders, as he's discovering them under Saul, David gives us some insight how to deal with such in, uh, uh, individual, uh, individuals and, and the circumstances. And uh, we have to be wise to that. So know that wicked people are very good at deception. Know that they're very good at deception. And note in verse 1 the two questions. Do ye indeed speak righteousness, O congregation? Do ye judge uprightly, O ye sons of men? And so David was calling to task those in positions of authority. You're not acting on God's You're not following the leadership of the Lord. You're in this for what you can get out of it. And that is true in most cases. So those two questions are cynical questions, questions of cynicism. And so, as we said, scammers are continually honing their deceptiveness. Uh, I have known that even in our own congregation, they're no longer with us, if uh, some passed away and gone to be the Lord, had been ripped off by scammers to the tune of thousands of dollars. Thousands of dollars. That's a lot of money, folks, in this particular day and age. But... Uh, uh, they're honing their deceptiveness. The liberal ideology is cleverly hidden 
behind deceptive words and is being pushed by political agendas and those who both have uh, vast sums of money and Satan uh, to gain more. That's their goal. And so this climate change is really all about money and power. All about money and power. You've got people in high positions who are liars, who are cheaters, who are scammers, who are ripping the American people off. And America better get wise because we've got just about a year and a half before we, well, yeah, a little less than a year and a half before election time. And there's a lot of people running, at least on the, on the Republican side. And just because they're Republicans doesn't mean you can trust them. And whoever's going to be on the Democrat side, we have no idea. Whoever he is, he's probably going to be out to lunch anyway, most of the time, if he is the one that we think he's going to be. But the truth of the matter is, between now and then, you're going to have to be really wise and not assume that, well, he's a Democrat, so he's got to be good, or he's a Republican, so he's got to be good, or he's a, he's a libertarian, so they've got to be good. Don't ever assume because of a party affiliation that that means they're, they're worth your vote. They earn your vote because they believe as you believe or they are about as close as they can possibly get to believing what you believe rather than being so wild and woolly. So David must have had some idea of the corruption as he ascended to the throne, but as he gained more insight, the frustration was nonetheless great for him to see it and uh, had even infiltrated the religious framework of the nation of Israel in the temple, hiding behind religion. One has to know God's word so you cannot be, dis- so you cannot be deceived by those who proclaim to preach the word of God. It matters what Bible they use, and it matters the content that they preach and the context of the text that they're preaching. So... David's coming into the place where he realizes that there have been higher taxes, unfairly charged, unfair laws, corruption in general existed all throughout the nation of Israel, everyone vying for greater control. Offerings were disappearing from the temple. The people were being intimidated on a regular basis. Now we can go back even as early as uh, uh, when, when Eli was, was, the, uh, was the high priest in the nation of Israel, his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. They would stand by the door and they would coerce the people. They were corrupt. God approached Eli about that and Eli just kind of scolded his sons and he did absolutely nothing. So it's not new to have corruption within religion. It's not new to have corruption within politics for sure. But none of this was new. As I said, behind it all basically two things. Number one, Satan. Satan is behind this and he is a master at deceiving. Second Corinthians, very quickly. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 11 we're going to be looking at verse 11 and, and, and to realize um, actually we're going to jump down to verse 13 we have to realize that he is beyond smart he's beyond clever he's had several millennia to hone in his craftiness in his subtlety. He says in verse 13, <clears throat> Paul warning, and he says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Now, what do we say about that word transforming? Yeah, I know you're not going to know the Greek word for it, but the Greek word is medeske, meditu, 
which has to do with a false pretense. They're pretending to be someone they are not. They're putting on a front, so to speak. Unlike the word transformed from Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2, where uh, be transformed is metamidisku, which has to do with the idea of a radical change from what you once were to something that you are now in Christ. And so these are false individuals. They're liars. They're deceivers. Uh, they're energized by Satan. They're clever. They're crafty. Uh, uh, let's, let's face it. If someone's going to tell, tell you to send them $1,000, and you know you can't really afford that, but you believe that somehow you're going to get $10,000 back, and you don't get that $10,000 after you put this $10,000 seed money out there, and they turn around, well, your problem was you just didn't have faith. Well, they're living in their mansions and uh, flying around in their jet air, their privately owned jet aircrafts, and you're struggling to make ends meet. Man, I mean, you know, you, you've got, you have to know the Word of God, and you have to be able to look at what's going on behind the scenes to get these things straightened out. And so Satan is behind it, and it goes on and says there in verse 15, Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So the Bible's warning us that you have to vet these people out. And you can't get all the, and, and you notice that most of them, they work on the emotional level. They don't really work on the doctrinal level. They've got a few little seeds that they sow out there, and then they get you all hyped up emotionally. Because you have to really get emotionally charged up to be able to, to part with some of the things that they're asking for uh, that's going to engrandize them. So you have uh, uh, Satan is behind all that corruption, all that, all that deception. And God's given to us the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. He has given to us the, preserved and the infallibly preserved word of God so that we don't have to be duped or lied to and caught up. And the second thing is corrupt hearts. There's a lot of corrupt hearts out there. They're only interested in one thing. Whatever you've got, they want. Whether it's your house, your land, your property, uh, which was a real problem in, in, the, uh, in the times here, that uh, Old Testament and New Testament times as well. And so corrupt hearts are out there. They're willing to take whatever they can get from you. And so how are we as redeemed of the Lord to handle all this? How are we to handle this? Well, sure. first of all, make sure that we are prayed up, read up, and confess up. Make sure that we have all those ups where they're supposed to be. So that you're walking close to the Lord. You know what? The Lord wants to protect you. The Lord wants to protect your mind. He wants to protect your heart. He wants to protect all the things that he has blessed you with. And he doesn't want us to be foolish with these things. Secondly, listen very carefully to what is being said as well as what's not being said. Do not let someone press you in the urgency of signing something right now on the spot. Uh, when we were looking at getting some gutters at the Parsons, one of the things that he used that turned me off right away was, listen, if you want to take advantage of whatever the, whatever the savings was, you've got to sign right now today because this is the only time it's going to be available. Well, you know what? Don't tell me that because I'm not signing. I'm not going to be pressed by the urgency and look back later and say, man, I never should have done that. Never should have done it. And I, I, I said, listen, I need some more time. I said, first of all, we've got to pray about this. You've got to take this before the Lord. You've got to take it before the church and see what the church wants to do about this whole thing there. And, and I just never had peace. I just let the thing slide all together. I said, I'm just not going to get involved. So be careful about the urgency. Listen, you have to take advantage of this right now, right now today. You say, well, you know what? I'm not interested. It may seem like one of the best deals in the world you've ever seen. 
and it's going to make you a multimillionaire. Well, it's going to make somebody a millionaire, probably not you, the individual. So never be pressured by urgency or by time restraints unless it's for surgery. If it's a matter of saying, you know what, you need to have surgery immediately, then you might want to sign the deadline and get the surgery as long as it's, it's genuine. So make sure that, number one, you have time to pray. Secondly, make sure that you have, you, you have time to seek counsel. Is this good or is this bad? Have you done any business with this person? Have you done any business with that person? Thirdly, have you, uh, uh, make sure you have time to investigate, do a little bit of research, know what you're getting into. And fourthly, make sure that we, have, uh, we, we are to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading because he'll guide you and he'll direct you. He'll help you to stop making stupid mistakes along the way or silly mistakes uh, along the way. So Satan and his cohorts, uh, they don't want us to think. Something through, let alone get sound advice. They don't, he doesn't want that. He wants you to bite the bullet right then and there. And then as we close, and as unfair as life can be, we can spare ourselves unnecessary grief along the way. Know the scriptures and spiritual deception will eat more, be more readily or more easily revealed. Also know that God is always fair and God is always just. He doesn't want you to do something that's foolish and things you're going to regret somewhere down the line. And thirdly, know that God will take care of the corrupt in his time. He will always take care of them. Because there's no one to deceive in hell. In fact, they're the ones who are deceived who will be in hell if they don't get saved in the meantime. Amen? So he begins with simply, uh, Do ye indeed speak righteousness? So be careful of those who speak righteousness. Know who they are. Get to know their character before you buy into them. Do ye judge uprightly, O ye sons of men? And a lot of corrupt judges today, more so than I think we've ever seen in a lifetime. Federal judges, on the circuit court judges, some are very good men, some are very good women, some are as corrupt as a day is law. But they're also ide uh, ideologically driven. So they don't, see, they don't think they're doing anything wrong because they have an ideology. And everything is for that ideology. If you have to lie, so what? Anyway, that's enough. What time do we have here? Come on. So you're going to get an idea where we're going in Psalm 58. 7.59, wait. Time really flew. You people have too many long testimonies. you got to stop with these long testimonies. Although it is good to hear what God's doing, amen? It's good to hear what God's doing. So um, I think what we're going to do is do something here very quickly here tonight. Um... I got one here. I just